Hello, Roger Hill of Radio Vermont. We're going to take a look at the winter forecast for 2022-2023, this winter weather outlook. This winter season for 2022-2023 will have many chapters, as they usually do. I'm expecting wide swings in temperature. Those wild swings will change over time with more pronounced variability. Average warmer than normal temperatures at times, significantly warmer in some, at some point. And also more prolonged colder stretches due to a weakened, perturbed circumpolar vortex. Warm air advection systems will be the rule during especially the front half of winter. We'll see a lot of mixed precipitation events. And snow will be more backloaded uh, to the last half of the winter with this La Nina as uh, this La Nina will eventually fade. And the polar vortex at times may weaken, but that'll be around the corner. I'm expecting the start of winter to differ greatly than the middle and the end as it usually does. Overall, warm, potentially significantly warmer. That'll flip to colder stretches based on perturbed polar vortex, not well predicted. And also, I'm expecting rain and gradient wind events, that is, some strong winds interacting with local higher terrain. Uh, potentially more numerous at the front start of winter, especially once we get into the late part of October and going into November, December. We'll see more mixed rain snow events with rain and freezing rain in there as well. Some sleety snow mix at times, especially early in the season. This will be favoring perhaps uh, a snow loaded back half of winter. And all of this, again, to be highly variable due to the effects of climate change. Expect some wild swings in temperature and the typical roller coaster ride that we've been enduring most winters. Also, frequent thaws and also, again, some cold spells. Usually, more wind events as weather systems will be pushing to and fro. And I suspect we'll see a fair number of Alberta Clipper systems to be the rule rather than a lot of nor'easters. The main drivers on this winter outlook are the Pacific Ocean driver, and that is the ongoing La Nina. We also have the Indian Ocean Dipole, which is strongly negative and possibly a weak player. Stratospheric warming events, a low-skill prediction wildcard, uh, the polar vortex being disrupted and allowing a lot of colder air to work toward the mid-latitudes, and that would favor more stormy conditions and also uh, the advent of heavier snowfalls, and that leak is also to extreme winter weather. The Prediction skill is likely weaker in the late winter into spring as La Nina may be weakening to neutral at that point in time. The possible effects of the Indian Ocean Dipole will be with us uh, with this uh, outlook. Uh, perturbed polar vortex, as I mentioned, from sudden stratospheric warming events and La Nina as it weakens. But this is about the best signal to go on at this point in time as we typically look at the sea surface temperatures in the subtropical Pacific. And we do have this ongoing triple dip La Nina, third year in a row, a little bit more unusual. Currently we have a moderate La Nina in effect. This basically forms as the trade winds push off the South American coast of Peru and Chile and up near Ecuador. This causes colder water to upwell from the bottom of the ocean to the surface and that's what cools the water off. This is the third year as I mentioned, very unusual. Other things to note, above average sea surface temperatures in the North Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean. Some of the weather pattern drivers are typhoons that track into the Bering Sea from coming up the coast of near Japan, northwestern part of the uh, Pacific Ocean. That uh, brings downstream changes to the jet stream configuration, and typically these occur about once every two weeks. The projected La Nina, the cold phase, will be at its coldest in early December. This will be, again, the third year in a row for this. 
and the sea surface temperatures are predicted to then make a slow rise once we get into December, January, and February. And by the time we get into March, April, and May, we may be seeing neutral conditions, whereas sea surface temperatures were going to be warming up off the subtropical Pacific and reducing the, the effects of La Nina. This current La Nina actually formed back in 2020 during July, August, and September. This La Nina being the cold phase, making the current La Nina a rare triple dip, as we just talked about. This moderate level La Nina is uh, occurring with uh, sea surface temperatures at roughly about 1.0 degrees Celsius on the minus side. Note the weak El Nino or warm phase back in 2018 also occurred and then that weakened toward neutral. And this is basically the case with La Nina being the strongest around December and then warming up as we head into the later part of the winter and spring of the following year. The latest projections on this La Nina is that it projected to warm up to neutral conditions and that will develop and potentially even go to what could be an El Nino, its opposite cousin, and that of course is the warmer waters of the equatorial Pacific and subtropical Pacific and that is a possibility of taking place once we get into this spring and later into the summer. So we might be switching to an El Nino. Now typically El Ninos and La Ninas have generally a weaker effect on the north East United States where it's much stronger to our west and to our north and also even to our south. Of course with an El Nino there's a lot of ramifications for worldwide weather due to the reconfiguration of the jet stream but with the La Nina as we have currently this winter for the third year in a row the Pacific blocking of higher pressure located over uh, north central Pacific and the Gulf of Alaska uh, causes the jet stream branches to split and basically one of the branches goes up through portions of Alaska and they're expecting a pretty harsh winter and colder weather is brought down through western parts of Canada into the central part of the United States, mostly into the northern Rockies, the upper Midwest, the northern plains, and adjacent western Canada. That is the typical La Nina picture here with the configuration of the jet stream. But what we're expecting is this uh, kind of Alberta clipper systems coming in from those cold confines of western Canada to occasionally make it into the Great Lakes and into the Ohio River Valley. And that will spin up numerous uh, systems that will be basically inland cutters. And that's the latest thinking that these will be tracking from the Ohio Valley through the Great Lakes and into uh, Quebec. For us, what does that do? It puts us mostly on the warm side, but occasionally as we get into the later part of the year, especially as we get into December and beyond, we'll start to see these colder outbreaks with the uh, uh, Alberta Clipper type systems cruising in a pretty fast jet stream from Western Canada, north of the uh, U.S. Canadian border, and then working its way in toward the Great Lakes. We'll get pieces of that jet stream energy, and that will start to lay down some snowfall. But it's going to start out relatively warm, as it looks right now, for especially the month of November. And as we head into December, it still will be one of these kind of winters starting out where people are going to wonder, where's all the snow? Based on this La Nina, it does look like the European model indicates the coldest temperatures will be in British Columbia, Pacific Northwest, and the northern Rocky Mountains, whereas it's going to be warmer than normal in the southwestern desert region, including the uh, central and southern Rockies. 
most of Mexico, as well as the Gulf Coastal region, right across and into parts of Florida, the Carolinas, and even up into the northeast United States. The main storm track is predicted to be basically from about the Yukon or Northwest Territories, sort of south and east into the northern Rocky Mountains, and continuing probably into the upper Midwest and the lower Great Lakes. At the peak of winter, these uh, Alberta Clipper-type systems with that kind of track, if a low-pressure system tracks to our south, we'll get a decent amount of snowfall. If it tracks overhead, we can get mixed precipitation events. And if it tracks basically to our north and west, it'll produce high wind events as well as warmer than normal weather. And then changing over sharply to colder outbreaks uh, following that with the uh, lesser amounts of snowfall with that whole uh, storm system. So it's one of those kind of systems that really has a lot of promising looks to it, but really fails to achieve a whole lot of snow. I'm afraid we're going to be teased through the first half of the winter like that more often than not. Under a moderate or stronger La Nina signal, uh, we get those frequent Alberta Clipper-like systems, and that's basically the forecast. We should already be seeing some sort of a signal like this toward Vermont and the uh, northern polar branch of the jet stream. And uh, these will be starting to happen pretty quickly here in late October, and especially as we get into November. However, November does look like a relatively drier month, as well as a much warmer than normal month as well. For December, January, and February, approximate winter, temperatures during La Nina conditions also uh, have increased risk for colder than normal conditions, mostly up in parts of Maine, also in the upper Midwest, portions of the Great Lakes, and even in the Pacific Northwest. However, extreme warm weather is favored across a good portion of the desert southwest into Texas, the Gulf Coast, into parts of Florida, and then up the eastern seaboard, roughly into about Virginia. As I talked about, I would expect wild temperature swings, and there will be some hints at below normal temperatures across northern portions of New England when Arctic air penetrates into the northeast U.S., while stronger signals uh, indicate milder conditions across the deep south. And I, for one, am expecting to see this signal this winter, with, uh, some record high temperatures being broken off and on in portions of Texas into the Gulf Coastal states. In terms of precipitation, it does look like, based on La Nina conditions, near normal precipitation is across the northern one half of Vermont with drier than normal conditions uh, to our south, across the southern part of Vermont, and the I-95 corridor further south will see um, least amounts. Over toward the Great Lakes, we'll probably see a, a maximum amount of uh, lake effect type snowfall and uh, precipitation associated with that into some parts of the Ohio River Valley. This overall seasonal projection, this outlook uh, for precipitation is pretty good agreement based on the European model, looking at some of the longer range, and just a slight shift north in comparison with uh, some of the rainfall being a little bit more into Canada, uh, according to the European model. So in general, expect increased risks of wetter than normal conditions in the northern part of the United States, especially in the Pacific Northwest, the northern Rockies, adjacent Canada, and a definitely a drier than normal signal for a portion of California into Texas and the Gulf Coastal states, and that will also curl up right into the Middle Atlantic states and parts of the Northeast at times, mostly down around the I-95 corridor. Overall, I'm expecting a little bit more in the way of snowfall in northern Vermont versus central and southern parts of Vermont, uh, but take it with a grain of salt. This is a kind of detailed forecast, and uh, this being this far out is a little more difficult. However, I'm expecting more or less a backloaded winter. Uh, that's a part of the signal with climate change as well as La Nina, so those two are both going to be in tandem. I want to call your attention to the Indian Ocean Dipole. 
Basically, the Indian Ocean Dipole is when temperatures are colder in the western part of the Indian Ocean with warmer than normal temperatures in the east. And we do have a very clear signal with that. Warm anomalies in the east and cold anomalies in the west. This is a strong negative Indian Dipole pattern. So what does that bring? Well, a 40-year correlation between the Indian Ocean Dipole and the 500 millibar height pattern usually coexists with a Pacific La Nina. So it's kind of rolling in tandem, if you will. Over the last two months, we have a classic strong negative IOD, that Indian Ocean Dipole. These typically coincide with La Nina Pacific signals, but not always. What might be the differences? Well, subtly, perhaps more driven cold air outbreaks affecting northern New England, reducing the projected winter temperature some. So overall, that might knock us down to near normal. And that would hold more snow, of course, on the ground. The feedback is important. That would generate more pristine snowfalls, less mixed precipitation events. And I would also engage to say that, well, maybe more Miller B-type nor'easters, that is, these are late bloomers where they get their act together, not until they basically get off the New England coast, off of Maine. Sometimes that's a little bit too late for Vermont. It's uh, most of the time in pretty good position for the far eastern portions of New England, especially Maine and going into the Canadian Maritimes for heavier snowfall. So we know that the colder air is going to drive in across portions of western Canada and the adjacent uh, northern and central Rocky Mountains back into the Pacific Northwest. How far will that get? Will that make it all the way into the northeast United States? For sure, at times, but not all the time. In fact, uh, cold air outbreaks, there is some a little bit of a signal that might make some inroads across mainly the Great Lakes into the southern Great Lakes and the Ohio River Valley, but it kind of stops there, keeping the northeast United States a little bit more warmer than normal for this winter outlook. Right now, it looks like about a 60 to 70 percent chance of Vermont being above normal this year, slightly by maybe one degree Celsius. The European Center for Medium Range Weather Forecasts shows the Ohio Valley to the Great Lakes a wet storm signal, and that would also mean some inland cutters, again, that area of low pressure tracking off to our west and then into Quebec. These are what produces uh, many of our high wind events, and there could be some interaction, of course, with local terrain, the Green Mountains, the Western Slopes, and whatnot. So we could see more gradient wind events. And it's all speculation at this point in time and until, until that uh, storm track setup gets established. One particular model, UK Meteorological Office, is a little bit of a different look than the Euro. It seems more logical. The snowfall forecast as modeled by the Euro brings a snow deficit, likely more mixed precipitation events, and less pristine type snows during the first half of this winter. Skiers will not like this, at least at first. For the month of November, I'm expecting a giant snow deficit. By the time we hit the month of December, we'll start to see a little bit more snow laid down across the uh, U.S.-Canadian border region, including northern parts of Vermont. January snowfall rates of accumulation anomaly shows that January should be the old-fashioned higher-end snowfall after a snow deficit November through December. But this will eventually settle into a snowy January, so that's good news for skiers at that point in time. Unfortunately, no February or March uh, data is available to uh, make a forecast off of, other than the fact that it does look like more and more of a backloaded type winter, very much like what we saw last year. The Canadian model, or what we call the Canadian uh, CANSIPS model, basically shows... Uh, more or less the straight-up La Nina plus a warming climate, and that gives us warmer-than-normal temperatures, 
as well. Most of the cold staying out to our west. The big wild card, of course, is a disrupted polar vortex. So we talked about a sudden stratospheric warming event. These occur basically in the first part of the winter. And if conditions set up just right, especially with high pressure over portions of Scandinavia and the barren Kara Sea region, where there's a lot of sea ice that's been lost, uh, this kind of a setup will then also cause this vertical wave flux vertically straight up into the stratosphere. That weakens the stratospheric polar vortex over a period of time. It basically then weakens the tropospheric polar vortex where we live down in the lower levels where our weather is located and that releases arctic chill into the mid-latitudes like here in vermont daughter vortices develop in the mid-latitudes we experience our strongest winter storms and most extreme winter weather the uh, arctic oscillation goes extreme negative the north atlantic oscillation goes extreme negative cold air dumps into the eastern u.s and that'll set the stage for strings of nor'easters and big snowfall anomalies if that takes place it's all based off a disrupted polar vortex less so sea surface temperatures and what la nina is doing to us we have basically two phases of a stretched polar vortex or a sudden stratospheric warming event to cause this weakening of the polar vortex to take place and allow for more winter weather now, this can almost be automatic for eventual colder outbreaks. A couple to several weeks in advance, if we do get a stratospheric warming event, this will change up all of our weather pattern. This uh, last occurrence was earlier this year on March 20th. If you remember back to last winter, that warmth progressed downward and destroyed the tropospheric polar vortex and then released extreme cold air. Do you remember that? This had been linked to extreme winter weather in Texas uh, a couple years back. And, of course, it caused severe infrastructure problems as Arctic air displaced southward into lower latitudes due to a very deep trough of lower pressure. It could be that we see more of this this year. Once again, the disrupted polar vortex is a very difficult thing to forecast. It's very low in terms of predictive skills at this point in time. We might be seeing this setup where we might get that vertical flux into the stratosphere and either rearrange, stretch the polar vortex in such a way that it produces colder than normal conditions later in the winter, or a sudden stratospheric warming event which displaces the entire polar vortex and then releases that cold air around the northern hemisphere. The takeaways, lots of wild swings, roller coaster temperatures, all of this to be averaged out over this winter, slightly warmer than normal. Now, both have occurred in past La Niña's and it appears this will occur again. Winter cold has a greater tendency to be backloaded in a La Nina and may be a climate change signal as well. Thus, winter hangs on later, more swings in temperature into April, but lowered confidence much past February due to that weakening effect of the La Nina going toward neutral. Now, the polar vortex disruption is possible whether stretched or completely disrupted. If it does occur, expect some duration, two weeks to two months of colder, below average temperatures and elevated snowfall during that period. But again, prediction skill is limited. Thus, the early conclusions, lots of wild swings, precipitation extremes for La Nina are of increased variability. Winter has a greater tendency to be backloaded beyond December, lasting into a portion of April. La Nina forecasts to fade, projected by the uh, computer modeling world. And eventually by January, the signal could be completely lost. 
Strong negative Indian Ocean dipole may reinforce a colder backloaded winter. And uh, that is a stronger signal, but it's one of the weaker signals that affects the Northeast United States. All in all, lowered confidence. Winter hangs on a little bit later. Roger Hill, Weathering Heights, Radio Vermont.